This is Donna Skoglund, and you are listening to the Pleasure Project Podcast, episode 137. Before I go into today's episode, I want to share two quick announcements. If you're listening to this in real time, I am offering a free webinar this Friday, which is November 17th at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, on bridging the gap from where you are to where you want to be and it's called Intention to Action. So if you are not aligning your daily actions with your goals, if you are procrastinating, if you feel stuck, if you feel like you are taking action, but it feels forced, it feels stressful, it feels overwhelming, it feels like you're white-knuckling your way to creating the changes you want, this webinar is for you. I'm going to be sharing a four-step process to use mindset tools, neuroplasticity, and emotional regulation to be able to create the changes you want with ease. So make sure that you sign up for that webinar. The link is in the show notes. The second announcement is that is going to open the doors for the Pleasure Project for three days for this weekend, which my friend and I are calling Golden Friday instead of, we're we're not we're not subscribing to Black Friday, we're doing Golden Friday. So that's the weekend before Golden Friday weekend. Doors will be open and I have four special bonuses that are only available during this Golden Friday enrollment period. So if you have been thinking about joining, if you are on the fence and you want to talk to me, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out and make sure that you get all the information you need to make the decision that's best for you. So today's episode is actually, it's coming right from the Pleasure Project program, and we have completed our 80-day project. So when you join the Pleasure Project program, it's a six-month program. The first three months are learning tools, getting coached, figuring out What are your blind spots? What are the limiting beliefs that are holding you back from achieving your goals? Why are you not where you want to be? So we're going to uncover a lot of that subconscious programming and habitual patterns of thinking, doing behaviors. And the last three months of the program, it's 80 days, you will design a project based on the number one thing that will change everything for you. Now, that's how this whole podcast started. So if you are just joining me now, you can listen to the very, very first podcast episode, and I talk about my pleasure project. And that was the catalyst for creating my program. And now I have completed my second project, which I called the Dharma Love Project. So this is basically recapping what my project was, how it went, what I learned, the results I created, and it's it's me just sharing very honestly, vulnerably, and openly this most recent 80-day experiment. In the next few weeks of the program, all the participants of the program are going to be sharing their presentations and I will be hopefully sharing those with you as well. So enjoy this podcast, and I will see you on the other side. My project was the Dharma Love Project. That's what I called it. And this is what my submission said. And 
I am, I ended it a little bit early so that I could do this. So my thing was supposed to end on Wednesday, but by November 17, or in this case, 13, I will complete the Dharma Love Project, 80 Days of Aligned Action from Love by embodying core teachings from the Bhagavad Gita. So if you're not familiar with that to yogic text, it's uh, it's a, it's the most famous yoga text. And I read it 20 years ago when I first became a yoga teacher and I studied it pretty in depth and I, it has amazing teachings in it. There's a, a version, a translation by Stephen Cope called The Great Work of Your Life. So I highly recommend that book because it's, it's, it's way more, you know, accessible. Um, so that the rest of it is, I will curate a creative and compelling experience for myself and my community to share and spread the Pleasure Project program process and philosophy. So the aspects of my project were, there. it's kind of two parts. There's the Dharma part, which is purpose, and then there's the love part. So the love part is to expand and deepen my connections. So make 30 new meaningful connections and reach out and reconnect to 30 old connections. And then the Dharma part is the embodiment of certain core teachings. So I kind of, in a nutshell, these are the core teachings that I really wanted to focus on. Take bold, courageous action from love without attachment to the results in service of my Dharma, my purpose. To do that, dream big and develop belief, manage your mind, calm your nervous system while fully embracing the 50-50 of life which I feel like kind of embodies a lot of what the Pleasure Project is all about. And the reason why I chose this is the thing that I really wanted to work through personally that I have struggled with is being overly attached to the results of my efforts. So specifically in my business, that's like a place that I've struggled. I'll want to get a certain amount of people in the program or, you know, achieve certain goals. And if I don't reach them, and if there's failures along the way, things that I do don't work, then I'm just so deflated. I get just so down and I lose belief and I just spiral in a lot of self-doubt and I can stay there for too long. And it was really just bothering me that that was happening so much. And so I really wanted to be able to take action in my business and stay even, like allow kind of the the ups and downs, which is a normal part of anything to happen without feeling like I was just being so side, like derailed by it. So that was a big motivation for this being my project. And I also wanted to step into deeper alignment with just what I teach, what I offer. So being a product of my product, going first and teaching others and creating material that I can use to really help people understand what I do and how I can help them and communicate that better, more clearly. So the daily actions that I committed to or focus on daily meditation and visualization and really just creating an optimal like mental state, like high vibration 
taking action from love. So before taking any kind of action, whether it's getting on a coaching call or creating something, writing something to connect to the emotion of love. So taking action from love. The third is really focusing on what does my dharma need from me today? The fourth is all about the the connection. So expanding and deepening connections, old, new, and current. One very tangible thing was taking one day off per week and following this plan that I had laid out for myself for these 11 weeks and, and really it to the rest of the year. But do it in a way that was easeful. So making sure I have enough space between things that I'm not like overly scheduling myself. And also when I plan to not over plan and put too much on my calendar and then constantly have to like move things to the next day, which is something that I've struggled with. So being more realistic and also just taking time throughout the day to take breaks and stretch and move and step away from my desk so that I'm just staying balanced throughout my day. So that's the, that's, those are the daily actions. That was the plan. Now, here are the results that I created. I made over 75 new connections and connected with 40 old ones. So I went to two networking events, which is very new. For, that's not something I do. So that was stepping out of outside of my comfort zone. And I gave nine free talks at various places. So I, I feel really good about that. The second part, the second thing is I followed my plan. So I created, like I said, this plan throughout the rest of the year. I've pretty much followed it. The goal was to get nine people or sorry, 10 people into the Pleasure Project program for January so far. So I have nine. So I'm pretty close. Um, Yeah, five repeating and four new, which is exciting. And what I did not do is take one day off a week, but I took out of the 80 days about 10 days off total. It just wasn't one day a week. I am not overscheduling myself as much. Not, you know, it's not perfect, but it's better. And I'm just much more thoughtful when I do my planning. Now, the two things that weren't necessarily part of my project, but I do consider them related and a big win is one, I I quit alcohol, which was, and I, I see that as like really being that, you know, the product of my product, using the tools that I teach you to be able to change my brain, to change how I feel about alcohol and then my desire for alcohol. And now it's, I don't have it anymore, which is, it's really big when I think about like, what a drastic change that is from even just six months ago, like so drastic. I also created a 30 day belief transformer process that I'm still in the process of refining that will get rolled out in the next, in the next program. Cause I want to, you know, I'm, I'm doing this stuff. Like I said, I'm going first, creating systems, creating processes, creating tools that I use on myself first so that I can then teach you to make the changes that you want to make faster, easier, and more fun. And I, in terms of my sales for my program and for just my sales in my business, I were really focused on building specific skills and increased that conversion rate by 25%. So that was 
a big win and uh, really just focusing on skills instead of getting so caught up in like the fails, like, you know, in the rejections and the no's and all that stuff. So what worked? I chose radical honesty over people pleasing when it came to connections and really just taking those emotional risks and saying, like being real, being honest, saying what I really believed instead of, um, yeah, just being a little bit more careful or being a little bit more safe and telling people more what they wanted to hear. So I've, I've done that like in obviously in coaching, but also just in, in relationships. And that's been amazing. There is a teaching from the Gita or there's something he says a few times in the book and that's remember who you are. And that has really stuck with me as a, a reminder of remember who I am. And as in a coach, a leader, a teacher, and bringing that to mind really helped me show up and and bring my all when i felt like you know if i was feeling kind of low remembering remember who you are so i love that and i just offer that to you as a reminder that can help anchor you in a specific state mindset to bring yourself to what you need to do i focus on effort over outcome so again a lot I decided that skill building is really how I can be less attached. So if I just focus on, okay, there's certain skills that I'm missing, or there's a mindset shift that needs to happen. And really that it, that's what it comes down to, to create anything you want in your life. It's either a set of skills you need to learn, or there's a mindset shift you need to create. And with the tools to create your mindset shift that you're learning here, and then the trust in your ability to learn a skill and to practice something and evaluate and get the information you need and get the support and the teaching and the mentorship that you need. Really, like anything is possible. And it's just a matter of staying on track, staying consistent, staying focused. So I really focused on just like that one skill and that was big. It's like, instead of trying to develop like a million skills, if I just focus on this one and and really like keep at it, keep at it, keep at it until there's, you know, that, that point where it starts to change, that is so empowering. It really is. What also worked is, and I, I taught about this here, is failing better and not identifying with the failing, really seeing it as, okay, what can I learn from this? Not making it about, I'm a failure, but okay, this thing didn't create the outcome I wanted. Let, let me get so curious and see, okay, what is, was it a mindset shift or a, a lack of skill? And then see what I can, that evaluation process is, is really, really important. So I was able to turn defeat into determination because when it's about, okay, I need to learn this skill. It's like, I got excited about learning. And so instead of feeling deflated, I, I was motivated. 
which is a very different emotion that can come from failing, like to come out of failing and feel motivated and excited and determined. And that just creates hope and excitement for the future instead of what often happens is the opposite. Cultivating love and using heart breathing. So one of the ways I, I create, I, I focus on developing the, like generating love is doing the heart breathing, which we've talked about here. It was just hand on my heart and breathing into the heart space and focusing on the emotion of love. And even just like imagining love for all things. And then really focusing more on using my intuition to guide what I needed to do in terms of rest and recovery and developing a deeper sense of self-trust that like, I know when I need to rest. I know when I need to take a break. I don't need necessarily structures in place to do that. Because if I am tired, I will take care of myself and rest. And that's kind of related to what didn't work, which is I did not take one day off a week. There were weeks that I worked seven days, but then there were weeks where I worked three days. So I would take like, I, I think two or three long weekend, like three and a half day weekends that I didn't work, but then there were stretches of time where I would work every day. And I realized I'm totally fine with that. Like if I feel like I want to work, I don't want to have my own self-imposed rule. That's like, but you said you would take one day off and, and today's supposed to be, you know, you got to take this day off because that's the rule. When I, you know, I want, if I, if I have the desire, if I have the energy, if I have the drive, but it's truly being honest with myself in terms of what I need. So recognizing when I do need to just have downtime and that might be on a Monday in the middle of the day instead of like a, a weekend day off. So the other thing that didn't work is I, one of my intentions was to read the, the Gita again and I, I read half of it. I just had a really hard time finding the time and at the end of the day, so many, most days I just didn't, I was too tired to, and I'm so used to audiobooks that like reading a book, I just like, I can't read more than a few pages and then my eyes get really tired and it's the end of the day. I'm already really tired because I've woken up early and that just was not working. And it's also a book where it's not like a page turner. <laughs> you have to like reread certain lines over and over and over again to like really grasp it. And I'm trying to like highlight. And so it took a lot of mental energy and concentration. So that was not good for the end of the day. Um, my meditation practice kind of fell off a little bit and I only, that became an optional habit over the last 10 weeks, which is really interesting to just observe. And I think I was really excited to get to journaling. So I would like working out for me is not optional. I do that always, but the meditation, that's always been something I've struggled with because I want to like get to work. I want to, in a sitting is, it does not come easily for me, even though I know it's so valuable and important and I, I get a lot of benefit out of it. So that is something that I need to like recommit to because it's, you know, we don't, meditation is kind of like a slow burn practice in terms of like, you don't necessarily always feel that differently. 
after doing it sometimes, but it's like you, it's more of like, I'm going to commit to this based on trust that it's good for me and trust that like the, the compound effect of meditating every single day is, is good and beneficial and is going to be something I need versus like, I can really tell if I don't do it. So that, that was a habit that I, yeah, maybe, I don't even know how 50% or even maybe a little bit less. So the 10, so the, here's the, the lessons learned. So I have six, six lessons that I learned from this process. So like I mentioned before, the, the thing that I really wanted to focus on the most was figuring out, like pu- solving the puzzle in my mind of like, how do I become less attached? Because I, I that, like having strong desire and having goals and having ambition and having drive, but at the same time, not being attached to those goals and desires. So this is what I uncovered. Being unattached does not mean I won't experience painful emotions when there are failures. Because I am not a robot. I am still human. (laughs) And I'm going to experience those painful emotions. What I realized, though, it's not about being unattached is not about feeling this like even state all the time, which is, I think, in my mind, what I thought it was what it was like just being like a Buddha. (laughs) But it's more about the accepting and the allowing of those emotions. So allowing them to be there, be and not fighting them, not pushing them away, not resisting them, not needing to be in such a rush to change them and feel better. It's like, okay, this is arising, holding space. It's okay. Have that compassionate kindness when I'm experiencing those emotions. It's also not being delusional because I think some of the attachment to the outcome is like this still delusional thinking of that we think that the outcome is what makes us happy. It's like, you know, when I achieve the goal, I'll feel so great. When, you know, I know that logically that that's not how it works. Like, circumstances don't create our happiness. So it's realizing that the happiness really does come in the process. And so focusing on that's where I kept coming back to the skill building. Can I enjoy the process of learning? Can I enjoy the process of bringing my best effort and showing up like remembering who I am and really being more purposeful and and stepping, like acting from a place of living my purpose and aligning with my values. And that's where the happiness comes from, not the outcome. The third thing is the, the other aspect of how to not be attached, how to be unattached is remembering that, you know, those emotions are caused by my thoughts. So I can just take a moment and figure out, okay, what am I thinking that's creating whatever emotion I'm experiencing, whether that's defeat or deflation or whatever, and then deciding on purpose what I want to make this mean. What do I want to think about it? Thinking on purpose, thinking intentionally. 
So it's again, it's like all the stuff that we've been focusing on all year long, but just we need, we just forget. We forget that, oh yeah, I, I can actually feel how I want to feel about anything. I can think about it and decide what I want to make this mean, what this failure mean, this rejection mean. But the important thing is taking time to do that. Because if we don't take the time, and for me, it's like sitting with, and I, I journal on the computer. I have a document that I use. And so taking the time to like dump everything out that's in my head onto paper, seeing what I'm thinking, seeing what I'm feeling, seeing how this is showing up in my actions, and then being able to step back and look at it from that broader perspective, from more more of like a clear space of, okay, let me just observe myself and notice what I'm thinking and how, you know, what's happening out there is creating what's happening in me in my and my thoughts and my feelings. So it's the importance of taking the time to do that. So now I really, really feel it when it's like I haven't taken the time to self-coach myself and I've just, I'm like, all the thoughts and my mind's just going to all the places it just wants to go, which are often not really useful, not really helpful, not really productive. And the just the value and the importance of taking time to to journal, write the stuff down, coach myself through it. The other way to not be unattached or to be unattached is to in the moment come back to the present. So the feelings, the sensations in my body focus on what's happening right now. Because again, the emotions are coming from our thoughts that are often not even about the present moment. It's like the thoughts about what has happened, what just happened, the fails that just happened, or projecting way off into like what's going to happen because of this failure. What does that mean for me moving forward? Instead of like in this moment, what is happening right now? The next part is focusing, like I said, more on my efforts and not the fruits of my efforts. So that's a, one of the famous te- um, lines in the Gita is like, is we we are entitled to the efforts, not the fruits of our efforts. Like that's all we have control over. We can't control what happens as a result of our actions. We can only control our actions. And so if I just focus on doing my best and feeling good about how I showed up, and as long as I honor my word and do what I said I was going to do, then I can then I can feel good about it because that's I've done my part. And if I didn't show up fully, if I didn't do what I was saying, what I said I was going to do, then I can look at that. I can take responsibility and find out, okay, why? Why didn't I? What was I thinking? What was I feeling? What was happening? What was I focusing on? So the second lesson learned is, to be honest, at first I was like, I feel like just I didn't, you know, this this project, I, I just feel like I didn't really do much. But when I took time to put this presentation together, I was like, no, I actually did. And just setting the intentions for love, connection, and and purpose, and dharma, 
And that's the power of intention. It's like we we make a clear intention. And sometimes it's not even that it's like top of mind, but it just creates this like force in that direction. So it having to stay accountable with the, you know, the the weekly reports, it's like it did stay enough at the forefront of my mind, which allowed me to like in subtle ways continue to keep aligning to it. And then to recognize the effect of doing that for, you know, 80 days for 11 weeks. The third is there's a, the whole book is set on a battlefield, which is a perfect metaphor for the battle that goes on inside of our own minds and the inner conflict that we have. That's a fundamental part of being human of these like two parts of ourselves like the parts of us that want to grow and want to improve and want to evolve and the part of us that wants to be comfortable and stay the same and just feel good in the moment. So the way that we handle this inner conflict is to be clear about what we're fighting for. And so that comes back to that question. Remember who you are. What is most important? What do I want? Who do I want to be here? And if we're clear on that, if we're clear on our values, our goals, our why, our purpose, you know, the very first part of this program is like, know thyself. Then we can feel good about that. And we can make conscious decisions that are aligned to that. Now, Honoring those decisions won't always be easy or feel good, but it will, at the end of the day, be the most fulfilling. And the the highest form of pleasure, the highest form of deep, deep, deep satisfaction and meaning. So, and he, he talks about that in the book is like, we, when we're in confusion and indecision, we just keep chasing things that don't really fulfill us and don't really satisfy us. So connecting to what is most important, that creates a life of meaning and deep satisfaction and, and like the, the pleasure that we talk about that we're talking about in this program. The fourth thing is connected to that, which is that remember who you are. And the importance of having a sense of higher purpose for our lives and whatever that looks like. And it doesn't necessarily mean like what you're doing as a career, but just having a clear purpose of what is the the, the part that you are here to play and can you play it as well as well as possible. As well as you can. Belief is everything. That's the fifth one. And uh, I can't remember who said it. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And the importance of, uh, of really working with our beliefs. And this is why I created the belief. 30-day belief transformer, which is really a combination of the model, you know, looking at our thoughts, feelings, actions, but then also the the patterning, the pro- reprogramming, the neuro- self-directed neuroplasticity work. So putting those two things together and 
what I uncovered is that my attachment to the results actually came from a lack of belief in being able to achieve my goals. So when I had a failure, it's like my belief wasn't very, so it was so fragile that I would just like completely lose belief. So that's what helped me like zero in on what to focus on. It's like a lot of the stuff uncovers, like what is the thing that I actually need to problem solve for? And often it's not what we think it is. And then the last one is a a big theme also in the book is equanimity, which is, again, it's like that letting go of our attachment to the results. But I think when I was thinking about it, it's really our attachment to comfort and our aversion to discomfort. And we're so attached to just being comfortable in terms of not doing anything that feels scary or that it feels different or feels unfamiliar. And that is the key. That is the key opening up to discomfort. That is everything. That is how we get to that like highest form of pleasure is like actually being willing to feel uncomfortable and not being so attached to our own comfort. And that is it for today's episode. Stay tuned. I will be sharing the project presentations of my students and hearing their transformations. And if this sounds like something you want to do, you want to create an 80-day experiment to change the number one thing that will change everything for you, make sure that you are on the Pleasure Project program waitlist. Join the webinar this Friday, and I hope to see you there.